Hi everyone, this is Inside Dance with Taylor and Alex. Featuring your hosts, Taylor Bradley and Alex Yankovich. What's up guys and welcome back to another episode of Inside Dance with Taylor and Alex. Can you believe that we are almost to May? Where is this year going? I don't know. It's flying by. It's dancing by. But we're excited mm-hmm. to have you, um, to be in your ears for another week. We have two very, very special guests joining us later in this episode. Um, and before we get there, we're going to have a little conversation about the pros and cons of traveling as a competition dancer. So looking forward to that. Alex, how are you doing? What's new with you? Like, give me one fun fact about your weekend um, in 10 seconds or less. Go. Oh, God. <laughs> One fact, one fun fact about the weekend. Six seconds. It was super fun talking to our mom. So I really, I really enjoyed that. That was kind of a highlight um, to see them shine. And they came like more prepared than we did. Totally. By the way, our special guests this week are our moms. So we're so excited to have them on. We thought what better way to celebrate the episode preceding Mother's Day than to have on uh, both Alex and mine, mother, um, to just basically talk about their experience as dance moms and like maybe hype us up a little bit. But um, yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you more. I was so, it was so great to see both our parents and yeah, I don't know why Alex and I were both like the most nervous (laughs) interviewing our own moms than anybody else. But um, no, they were incredible. And I can't wait for you guys to hear what they had to say. But uh, before we get started into our episode today, let's talk about social media. We want to be friends. We want to hang out. We want to stay up to date with you. And we hope that you'll do the same with us. You can find us on Instagram at Inside Dance Podcast. And while you're there, go ahead and follow our friends, our partners over Inside Dance Magazine. You can find them. Their handle is Inside Dance Mag. Lastly, we would love to hear from you guys. If there's anything that you want discussed, anything that you loved, anything that you hated, hopefully nothing, but please feel free to reach out to us. Write us at our email, which is insidedancepodcast at gmail.com. Also, bonus points if you're looking for some good karma. We would love it if you could like, rate, review, subscribe, refer to a friend, kickball change, eight and one. Thank you in advance for that, guys. So let's dive right into this, Al Pal. I know... You grew up Orange County, West Coast dancer, um, and I'm from a little old town in uh, mid-Georgia, Roswell, Georgia, right? So I feel like we have two very different ends of the spectrum when it comes to competition dance. Um, But I want to pick your brain as far as like traveling. um, Did you guys travel much? I know you said that you guys used to do a lot of nationals in Las Vegas, but um, tell me about that. Yes, we did travel and we were always super prepared. Um, gosh, bringing up my mom again. Um, you know, obviously being a competition kid, you're in like 10 dances, you know, to compete. And so my mom would print out a list of like the titles of the dances and then all the clothing and costumes that we would, and color shoes and tights that we would need for all of those. We'd have a checklist and it was in a plastic sheet Yes. That was like attached to the suitcase that we would have all the costumes in. So we never could leave anything behind. So that was always a thing. And it helped when we did like the local competitions too. But for the traveling ones, that definitely helped. But it was super fun. Going to Vegas every year was always a great time. We'd make a tradition out of stopping at the Mad Greek in Baker, which was super fun. It is stressful uh, traveling because most things you can, like, let's say you forget some eyelashes or makeup, like you can find it at CVS and it's fine. But those costumes. Do not forget your rhinestone belt. belt. You need it. You need it from last week. (laughs) It's so stressful, but we always had such good memories um, at that time. And there was actually one year that all the parents chipped in and got one hotel room just for like snacks and food. So they didn't have to spend- Let's go green yeah. room. So they didn't have to spend so much money um, buying food in Vegas from the hotels because it's so expensive. And so they would just bring a cooler full of food and like they would all chip in for that one hotel room. That would be like the snack room that we would all go up to, which was super fun, especially because the parents are there all day long too. So I feel like once everybody got the hang of it, it was a really enjoyable experience, but it's stressful at first. But if you're organized, it's the best. Okay, so you bring up so many points that I want to elaborate on. First of all, um, (laughs) 
Um, I know we're going to talk later in our episode about the, in air quotes, boys dressing room at any dance <laughs> competition, aka the bathroom. Um, but I remember, oh my gosh, we, you're right, you're doing like 10 to 15 dance numbers. And for girls, I will say, this is male perspective, girls, at least growing up, it was like, Sparkly bra top, sparkly booty shorts, um, fishnet tights. You know, it was like everything could be packed up into like a Ziploc bag. But for guys, it was like this pair of long black slack pants that you can't get wrinkled and also a, pre a press dry clean shirt. Um, right. It was like such a to do. I remember like just lugging all this stuff into competition. Um, but I remember there was one. I was going to say, where did you go in Georgia? Did you go to Florida for nationals? Oh yeah. I mean, we would do like Orlando a lot. We would, um, we did New York one year and that was like, we had to take a year off beforehand, which was so great and inspirational, which I want to touch on that a little bit more, um, in regards to the pros, but we were trying to be like, okay, what's a more convenient way to do this? Literally. I was that extra dancer that came with a chest of drawers, like the plastic college dorm room ones. And I'd be like, okay, the top, um, the top drawer is just my dance, like my pants and all my shorts. And then the next one's going to be all like my shirt. Like I full on like, <laughs> like was that just extra child? There was one year that we were like, okay, that system's not working. So, you know, like the little octopus hanger. Yes. We totally would bring one of those. And yeah, I feel like I look back at myself and I'm like, you're the most extra 13 year old dancer. It's good though. <laughs> in the world. But yeah, I have to give a shout out that you said the, the because the stress of traveling you're like i'm gonna forget one jazz shoe or i'm gonna forget right. something so shout out to my friend dane o'neill who's a huge fan of the podcast she's one of my best friends i grew up dancing with um she she would always for every recital for every competition for every whatever company concert she'd have her half inch binder that would say like 2009 jazz large groups here's what we need like color coded so organized and i look back and i'm like dang really like dance prepared us for the real world so yeah, well it prepared day and i clearly didn't <laughs> I have, nothing has changed about me but yeah no we would um we mostly stayed in the southeast um like i said we did go to new york um and we did i took it upon myself to travel i would just you know with having family that were in the airline industry i could fly for free right. so i'd be like great i'll do an intensive over on this side of the country and i go up to minnesota and do a convention so i was really fortunate for that for the reason that I think every dancer, every dance studio needs to get out of their same bubble of people that they're constantly auditioning, sorry, not auditioning, competing against or going to convention with. Now I know it's this isn't a perfect world. This is pre-pandemic because um, I know it gets pricey and it gets expensive. But I remember being a young dancer, like with the time I went up to uh, New York, it was like NYCDA Nationals. It was my first time leaving my little like small town um, to go compete and I remember I had the biggest reality check of my life like oh, okay you're a small fish in a big pond but it was really inspiring to me to get up there and see all these incredible national title winning dancers um that it was kind of like okay Taylor wake up call you need to like seriously right. this this is where you're committing and 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 you're gonna you're gonna buckle down and so I did and I'm, I'm so grateful for those opportunities um but again I do know it is so stressful um, traveling and then you're lugging around all these costumes. And like you said, it's so expensive having to like eat out at like Red Lobster or Carrabba's every- I love every, Red Lobster. Which why, why are those always around dance competitions? It's like Red Lobster, Chili, Carrabba's, Olive Garden. <laughs> um, so good. But, but yeah, and then I always laugh too. I remember, especially nationals, we would do one, like we did one in Myrtle Beach and like, uh. you know, Teen Mister whatever. They give you like a, eight foot trophy and then you're like how do i fit this in my car right <laughs> <laughs> the eight foot trophy i remember yeah. that was so coveted well i also wanted to mention um for uh dance team competitions like with uh varsity and uda shout out to the college teams competing this week oh that's right that is this week good yeah. luck everyone wishing everyone the best of luck but what, what was so funny is when we used to compete in high school we would fly from California to Florida. And I'm laughing because the mood of the flight getting there versus the mood on the flight back. Like, oh my gosh. The mood of the flight getting there is like, we are all 
sitting straight up and down, so stressed out, just like wanting to get there in one piece and win. And then on the, on the way home, we're like, yes, okay. We're getting Chipotle for lunch at, <laughs> at school tomorrow. Yes, Chipotle. <laughs> and we'd have like our white satin jackets. Like, uh, like we literally like sit with our feet up. We were so happy, but like on the way there, we were like headphones on, like going over the number. <laughs> I imagine you guys like fully like sunglasses, like, or, you know, in Harry Potter when it's like, cause this, I'm just going to point out how much of a nerd I am. The Triwizard Tournament, they all like walk exactly. in in formation and you're exactly. like, we are rosary. <laughs> that is, we are the, you know, the all girls school with the birds where they like, they walk, boom, boom, yeah, 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 Harry yeah. Potter and they go, floor la floor or something. No, yeah. that's, yeah, that's, that's crazy. So okay. Successful. So let me ask you this, how dance team competitions versus dance studio competitions. Mm. Dive into that. Oh, I mean, we've touched on this before, but like dance studio competitions are just a little bit more fun. Yes, there's the team aspect and you can't let your team down. So in the group dances, you really need to know what's going on. But uh, the high level stress of, oh God, no, I'm good. I'm just gonna bring it up now. The high level stress of like dance team competition is like you really let the team down if you mess up anything. Like, I feel like it's just a lot. It's so strict. Like every head and eye movement has to be the same, but I'll never forget when I freaking was not in the right spot. My freshman oh, year. Oh my gosh. How have we, have we not like, talked about this? Like on, how I was not. This is my favorite moment of Alex Yankovic's entire dance career. We are posting this video. I don't it's care what so you say, Alex, it's going in our social media. So um, it's going in our Instagram posts. Yeah, I still have nightmares about it. So for our listeners... Talk through the process because uh, yeah, we're just laughing about They're like, what, yeah. what is this? So for I think for any number, it's really important that you block it and you know exactly <laughs> what lines you're sitting and standing on, especially for your opening formation. But with dancing competition, your coach is standing by the music and they do not start the music until everyone is on their line and we are in perfect placement. So it's not like the studio competitions where the director is, uh, the director of the competition is running it. It's like, this is the coaches are like, you guys get into formation. And so I just was so nervous and I started on the floor on my elbow and I just was sitting on the completely wrong tape line. And obviously the coaches aren't starting the music for a minute and 36 seconds. I am sitting on the floor, unaware that I'm in the wrong spot. And then 96 I, seconds of just the crowd cheering and then growing impatient and cheering louder. Yes. And everyone in the crowd was like, move over. <laughs> and you're like, just smiling so I'm big. Smiling. like, And I'm done. Cause the first move we did is like, we literally heard the faint faint sound of a trumpet and that was like you started counting because your first thing was a botma and when i finally, a one exactly when i finally got on the right tape line the crowd goes wild <laughs> everybody's like finally Whoa. and like oh my god i am still so embarrassed by that and yeah i have no idea how i made the team the next year <laughs> i made up for it i made up for it that wasn't our last competition but we had another like uh best of the west is what it was called in Long Beach. And so that one, I redeemed myself because I did 10 pirouettes and I, or I did like nine pirouettes on a little part. And my coach yeah. was like, okay, cool. Redemption for you being in the wrong spot for a <laughs> for, minute and a half but at you the know, most important part. A minute and a half feels like eight hours. Again, we're going to quote SpongeBob. It's like uh, when, <laughs> when the narrator comes through and goes four hours later. <laughs> So long, the old narrator passed away. (laughs) I'm going to edit that video tonight and I'm going to put the SpongeBob. Oh my gosh, please do. Into it because, oh my God, yeah, that's such a good meme. Oh my God, that's funny. Okay, let's reel it back into dance. Um, As much as I love, (laughs) as much as I love embarrassing Alex stories and um, quoting our favorite cartoon from a movie. But yeah, it is, they're different, but they're both equally fun. Long story short. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Well, um, Congrats to anyone that any studio owners, any studio dancers, dance team. I know isn't it's it's normally nationals, dance team nationals would have happened already, but they pushed it back because of COVID, right? Yeah. So shout out to anybody that's competing this week. Um, I know some of my dance studios here in Las Vegas. Shout out to Evolve. Shout out to The Rock. They're traveling to go um, compete. So best of luck to yeah. 
yes. uh, to them, to all the dancers out there. And shout out to their support systems, their travel buddies, their snack getters, their um, pants fixer, fishnet, <laughs> you know, rescuer, aka your mothers, your family. Um, which stay tuned, guys, because we are so, so excited for you to hear actually probably some more embarrassing stories from our mothers. Um, <laughs> but um, to any dance moms out there that are listening, um, I hope that you can relate, you can enjoy. So stick around, you won't want to miss it. All right, everybody, this week for our community spotlight, we chose the Artist Relief Fund because we thought if anybody is really in need and doesn't know about these funds, we want to tell you about them. So the Artist Relief Fund, their goal is to support artists during the COVID-19 crisis. It's a coalition of national arts grant makers um, who have come together to create an emergency initiative to offer financial and informational resources to artists across the United States. And I know even as we're kind of emerging from this pandemic, that still doesn't mean a lot of us, you know, haven't been affected financially. And so it's really important to like take use of these resources that are out there for you. They are able to distribute $5,000 grants to artists facing dire financial emergencies due to COVID-19, and they also identify and address the needs of artists during this time. So if you are a practicing artist able to demonstrate a sustained commitment to work, career, um, and a public audience, and you're also experiencing these financial emergencies, um, you are totally eligible. So yeah. Absolutely. And I think I'll speak my personal experience. Um, I applied and received the grant that was associated with the Actors Fund, who I know was our community spotlight um, a few episodes back. Um, and very similar to this, it's an application process. For anyone that's listening that doesn't know how it works, let me tell you. You apply online um, for the Actors Fund. Obviously, we went to that website, but I believe um, we'll list the resources and links for the Artist Emergency Release Fund below. So check it out. I'm assuming it's going to be pretty similar. So basically, you just fill out a pretty standard application. Um, they'll ask for some of your demographics, including what was your income before the pandemic hit and how it was affected now. I know for the Actors Fund, we had to provide a couple of tax documents that basically just proved that a majority of our income was coming from the arts, was coming from live stage. And obviously, as things have been affected, we had to prove that we're no longer making that income. So fairly simple. I believe the application took me probably 10 to 15 minutes. And I have to give a shout out to the Actors Fund. They were so on top of it. They got right back to me. There was a couple things I was missing. And so they're like, hey, could you send this over? So definitely, guys, it, it's it's essential for us to take advantage of these opportunities. Mm -hmm. You know, I know sometimes we feel like, oh, there's somebody else that's more in need or there's some, I, I'm not as deserving of this, but know that you absolutely are right. And these companies, these resources, they want to help lift you up. So the first step is just taking that initiative, taking that first step in filling out an application. So I encourage you all to do that. Like I said, we'll have the information listed below, but definitely check it out and help this. Let this be a Kickstarter to get you back up on your feet, get you back in class and feel a little bit more stress-free about re-entering into the dance or performance industry. All right, guys, it is time for our very special interview this week. As we know, Mother's Day is coming up right around the corner this Sunday. So we thought how fitting to bring on our mothers to probably embarrass us a little bit, but also to talk about their experience raising young dancers and kind of what advice they would give to other dance parents out there. So we are both so excited, so overjoyed, a little bit nervous, but honestly, we're thrilled to have both are mothers with us, so please join me in welcoming my mother, Donna Bradley, and Alex's mom, Margaret Yankovic. Hi, ladies. How are we doing? Hi. Good. Good. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Of course. We're so excited um, to have you guys on our episode today. Obviously, we have Mother's Day coming up, so what better way to celebrate than having a little discussion with our moms? So thank you guys so much for being here. It's so exciting. I'm so nervous. <laughs> like I know. The, why am I? <laughs> I know, this is the only interview I've, I've, we've done where I'm like, I went over the questions so many. <laughs> we just want to make sure you guys feel super comfortable, but we're really thankful you're taking the time to do this. So um, I'm going to start us off with our first question, which is for my mom. 
And for our listeners, my mom's name is Margaret. So my first question is for my mom. And that's when did you know that I was going to become a dancer and that that I was going to be something serious? Well, as you know, you have a sister who's also a dancer who's four years older than you. So um, in the beginning, I felt like you were just following her footsteps. And when the studio forced you to go in a class, I think you were two and a half years old. I think you stayed in there for maybe three minutes. You walked out and you said, let's go home. (laughs) So I thought you weren't going to be a dancer, but um, you followed in her footsteps. So from when you, when I thought you were going to become a professional dancer is a different story. But from the very beginning, I would say by the time you were three and you actually stayed in the class long enough to learn anything, um, you, you were, it was your passion. You knew, you knew at three that that was something you loved. And um, so I knew at that point you were at least going to be a dancer until um, you decided to be a lawyer, which was always what I was hoping in the back of my mind. I knew you were going to say that those that story, and I knew you were going to say the lawyer. Let's go dancing but, lawyer. But stuck with it, and it won competition. Um, I remember it was a star power competition, and I can't remember the man's name, but he he asked you if you were going to be a doctor, and and you laughed and said no. <laughs> my brother was at that one. I remember that was a um, so so you you had the you had the passion from the very beginning. I love that. And I love that story. That's, (laughs) I don't remember the doctor moment or the star power moment, but I love that so much. I feel like we can all relate. Like I remember being in third grade and like filling out those little papers and they're like, what are you going to be? And I would, it would always be like a dancing something like, (laughs) like 10 year old me was like, well, I'm going to dance no matter what. So I was like, I'll be a dancing chef. I'll be a dancing (laughs) astronaut. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. And here we are. Here's, we landed on whatever moon this is that, that we're all dancing on, but, um, all right. So mom, same question for you. At what point did you realize that I was going to be a dancer? Uh, before you were born, because you were always kicking the heck out of me when you were in my stomach. <laughs> I'm like, he's going to be something. Uh, but I think I think it actually, uh, it wasn't the like, gee whiz wow moment, but um, Taylor's babysitter uh, had two babysitters in the neighborhood and they were with a dance company. And um, I danced. And so, of course, it was like, oh, gosh, that would be great. Can I come see one of your recitals? So I thought that would be fun to take Taylor um, to see this. But I thought, you know, if I make it to intermission without him just like climbing the wall going, can we go home now? It will be a miracle. So we went and Taylor was mesmerized. He just took it all in. And after the performance was done, he goes, can we come back tomorrow? He goes, that's what I'm going to do. And never having ever stepped into uh, a dance class, I signed him up for a little recreational boys hip hop class. And he went in there and, um, you know, again, at seven years old, some of them were over in the corner, like, you know, having fistfights, whatever. Taylor was soaking it all in. And actually my mother, his grandmother had to go pick him up one day and she was watching and she came home and said, He's got talent. He absolutely loves it. So I think from that point on, um, here's this little seven-year-old. The dance company was also in the same building. Somehow finds his way into the dance company and says, how do I sign up to be in the company? The rest is history. Wow. And here we are. (laughs) I know, just like the most stubborn child. I'm like, well, I'm going to do this now. I'm just going to sign up and this is it. So <laughs> that was Donna. My next question for you was going to be if you danced um, growing up. So you did. That, I did. My mother, like your mother, started me at three years old <laughs> and, you know, the little tap ballet combo and had my cute little dance bag with my name on it. Um, but I danced for 25 years, um, you know, and. Wow. Uh, there wasn't the opportunities that there are today for dancers, but um, I danced all through high school, did, you know, the shows there, danced in college, did community theater work. Um, 
And absolutely, absolutely, it was my passion. I mean, to hear the applause, to know that you're bringing joy into people's hearts and that you're up there doing something you love, it just was a win-win situation. So um, actually, um, I went back to dance um, when Taylor got into the company and I was having to drive him over there, they also had a recreational adult tap class, which was always one of my favorite forms of dance. So I danced there eight years um, and we ended up bringing the stage down at the recitals and we actually went to competitions and we were the, the only one in our category sometimes, but we always nailed it with a platinum award. So no, yes. like, like they were the show stopping, like how many, there was probably like, I don't know, 20 to 30 women, um, from, everywhere from, from like ages to 70. Yeah. But like we did 70. like tap production to it's raining men to like Margaritaville, Jimmy Buffett. Like it was always <laughs> like people would come to our recital and be like, yeah, the kids were fine. But wow. Did you see that adult tap line? And we'd be like, mom, stop stealing my stoplight, my spotlight. That's so funny. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I, I've been judging a lot of dance competitions recently. So whenever I get the, whenever the dances come on that aren't in the regular age bracket, I get so excited. It's the best. It's always <laughs> like a breath of fresh air. That's amazing. All right, I Mar have my make medals, all my trophies. Yes. <laughs> Margaret, my next question is for you. So how was it? Um, I mean, obviously, we love Stephanie. Um, we've had her on. Um, and I'm just the biggest fan. I, I tell all my friends, I'm the most unofficial, um, official Yankovic sibling. But um, how was it juggling having two daughters in dance that were both so successful, but for it's, it's four years, right? Four years in age, the, the yes. difference? How was that? Oh gosh. Um, it, it was, it was a challenging 18 years, but the girls, um, I think very early on, they sort of understood the dynamics of it. And there may have been more competition going on between the two than, than I ever saw, but we, we were a busy family. We, I also have a son who's the older son and he played golf. And so there really wasn't a lot of time for foolishness. So they needed to learn to um, deal with the ups and downs of sometimes not really competing against each other, but, you know, you go to a competition and there is competition and, um, you know, one may, may walk away with the award and the other one doesn't. And they just had to learn quickly to deal with that. It wasn't going to disrupt the dynamics of the family. And they were very good at that from, from the very beginning. Um, and I think they each learned from each other too. And so that was, was truly an advantage. And the studio, you know, dealt with it too successfully, you know, with, with two dancers four years apart. And I know when, when um, Stephanie was a senior, they ended up putting Alex in some of her groups. And, and I felt like, not that she didn't belong in their groups, but I felt like they did it sort of for me. So I could, you know, see them both really dancing together. And it, it worked out. And I think for those two, you know, it was an advantage to have a, a sister that you got to go through the whole process with, you know, Stephanie would teach Alex how to do her makeup and, you know, Alex and, and Stephanie would give critiques to each other on their solos or their groups. So it, it worked. Um, I also it, it wanted was, to say fun. my brother yeah. is also like a fantastic golfer. Like yes. he he's like, yeah, he like plays it for fun, but he also is like on the golf team. Like he's, a hole in one type of golfer. He's like <laughs> amazing too. So I don't know how you got all the kids to be like, I don't know, good at what they did. <laughs> so know, talented, such it, a diverse portfolio yeah. of children. <laughs> it, it's, it's there. It's your internal drive. I, my, my husband and I were not ones to push one activity or profession over the other. I, I sort of talk about being a lawyer, but I really laugh about it because all three of them were given the opportunity to pursue what they wanted to do from a professional or life standpoint. But um, it's, 
we were fortunate to have three children who found their passion. And it sounds like, you know, you were in the, the same situation. I know a lot of parents whose kids couldn't find something that they loved, couldn't find something that they could spend a lot of time with. We didn't have to worry about the kids. Dance takes up all your spare time. You don't have time to get out there and go to parties you shouldn't go to, <laughs> you shouldn't do, because you had to get up the next morning at five o'clock and get ready for the competition. So that was a true advantage to, to their dedication and their passion that they wanted so to pursue. True. Oh, that's amazing. Um, okay, my next, wait, Taylor, were, were you going to add to that? No, I was just going to say, I mean, <laughs> I'm laughing tongue in cheeks and looking at my mom and I'm like, right, because I was a perfect child <laughs> in high school and I was dancing, right, mom? <laughs> no, but it's so true that busy kids are well-behaved kids. You stay out of trouble by following your passion and keeping your schedule full. So kids, if you're out there, get back in ballet class. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And you know, I something that my mom would always talk to me about, because I feel like when you're a kid, like you think everything's the end of the world. And, you know, there were times in college where like, I really wanted to live in an apartment on campus. And my mom was like, you're going to have to live in an apartment like your whole life. Like you have your whole life ahead of you when you're young, just like invest and immerse yourself in those periods of time. Because when you get out, like it's, it's not going to be the same. Um, okay. Switching gears, uh, Donna, my next question's for you. So it's because you are a dancer, that's definitely an advantage, but how do you deal with like stereotypical dance mom culture when you were, you know, bringing Taylor, especially having a son dancing? I know that's a whole nother dynamic to it. Um, well, yeah. So I really didn't have to deal with the, the dance mom um, because he, he was a boy and, you know, again, they're, they're just, he was at, at times throughout the company, most of the time was the only one in a company of 75 people. So it, it's like he had 74 sisters, um, which he had two brothers. So he loved, um, but you know, I, I, I would guess that the dance mom, uh, stigma, comes from the mega changing rooms with all the different companies at competitions and all the drama and the meltdowns and whatever. We were lucky if we had a men's restroom that he could change costumes in and I'm standing outside handing things back and forth to him. Um, but our company was a very strong company. The mothers, you know, we were all active. We were all required to be active as far as volunteering. So everybody knew each other. So um, it really, you know, it really wasn't a bad experience at all from a, a male dancer's perspective. It was an enjoyable, enjoyable process and, and made some wonderful, wonderful friends with the moms um, in our dance company. Uh, you just reminded me, there's a hilarious video on the internet right now of like a boy and it's sad, it's sad, but it is funny. There's a, it's like boys at dance competitions looking for their dressing room. And they're like, they're like trying to find any sign. And there's a, a sign that's written in pencil boys dressing room. And it's on the floor. It's like, too real. On. It's too real. And they pick up the sign and then they go out to like the parking lot. And that's where the boys dressing room I relate room to that is. on a spiritual like, level. Yeah. It's got to be so tough. I think it's a little better now, but it's still, that's got to be tough. So you're a great mom for just standing outside, standing outside the bathroom. It's like, you need, you need the, your suspenders and all of these totally. things. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, no, that's hilarious. Seriously so tough. Um, Margaret, my next question for you is, is how, well, and for Donna, you as well. So it's funny. We talk about in the current pandemic world, um, competitions look so different than what they used to look like back when we were competing um, in that studios now will typically compete in like three or four hour blocks. I know we all recall being there for three, four, five days. You're down mom. We were at the Georgia convention <laughs> center or at some Hyatt Regency. What um, Margaret, you first, what is your, what would be your advice? How did you get through those long competition weekends? Um, yeah. Like what's, what's the pro tip there? It, it was, it was, it was difficult looking back on it. And at the time it was difficult. The joy is seeing, it sounds, you know, I'm making this up. The joy is in seeing your child dance. So you just sort of push through it because you know, okay, in 10 more dances, 
you're finally going to get to see, you know, Stephanie and Alex on stage. And so you, you wait for those times. Um, I did it, sort of Donna said this, I made some lifelong mom friends. And um, so there was, we would try to, you know, all eat on a picnic out in the, you know, lawn together. So those are the, those are the, they're good memories, but they were very long weekends, but good memories. You, you also saw your child um, grow, get along with people, deal with disappointments, deal with successes. So those kind of things at the end of Sunday, when you're driving back at 11 o'clock at night, and you know, you have to get up, you know, the next day to go to work, those those life lessons that you know that you're learning. Plus you got three or four whole days with your child. What parent, you know, has those opportunities? It, they, you know, most parents don't, especially when they're teenagers. So you just sort of would try to dwell on that as you're, you know, you'd get in the car to drive back and the girls would say, well, let's cut the radio on. We're not going to listen to any songs or music for at least, 24 hours to let you know to let yourself right <laughs> get used to to life again but um the, the lessons learned are worth the long long times um i also want to say uh alex does not deal with disappointment well and if i messed <laughs> up if i messed up anything on stage i was a nightmare i was a nightmare to yeah. drive home <laughs> but i learned a lot about not being a sore loser but um yeah I love that. And you bring up a good point, Margaret, of um, when you're there for those long, those long haul weekends, you start using dances as a unit of measure. You're like, okay, well, I just have four more jazz solos and then we can, get, I get to see my child or there's just two more judges breaks. And then it's like a whole nother realm of, of, of metrics. That's amazing. Well, let's see, we can get food between um, song 648 and <laughs> 703. Between work me down and Via Dolorosa, we can sneak in a snow cone somewhere. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. We talk about snow cones every episode and it makes <laughs> me so happy. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, we were talking, we, so we always talk about how we would do like all of our dances, we'd do like all eight of your like large group production lines. And then you'd be at a convention center where the only thing to eat would be like a hot dog or like a thing of popcorn. And now <laughs> we joke about how we're like older seasoned dancers now. And I'm like, I need eight hours of sleep. I need to wake up. I need to meditate. I need to go on a walk before, you know, it's like crazy how you think about what we used to do in those, in those conditions. But mom, same yeah. question for you, Donna. Um, what was your, what was your, your, coping mechanism for lack of a better word to get through those uh long weekends um a, a big cooler of food as margaret said you're always like um you know the measure of time again that's that's so true it's like okay i know tay's got to eat so we've got four numbers do i take him back this bag of almonds so that he can get that through and then we're going to have 17 numbers where we can i can run and go get it you know, something more substantial for him and get it back here. Um, but my saving grace was always a huge bottle of Believer Advil because sitting for three solid days in very uncomfortable auditorium chairs and at competitions, they were most likely folding chairs. And I still have lower back issues today from 10 years of sitting at competitions. I love you, Tay. Did it for you. That's Thanks, amazing. Mom. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, well, okay. My next question is for Donna. So as a mom, I know, I feel like, you know, you're just obviously always in protector mode, but how did you deal with any bullying that may have come across uh, for Taylor or like with Taylor and how you dealt with that and encouraged him to keep, obviously it's his passion. So he kept moving forward and that trumps all things, but what, how did you deal with that? Well, um, when, you know, I realized that this was, this is what made his heart beat. Um, and that, you know, and this was probably middle schoolish. Um, and knowing the industry myself, I said to Taylor, I said, if you're going to do this, you better get thick skin real quick because it's not always going to be the applause on stage. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of things that go on behind a lot of rejection 
And you've just got to be able to, to let it roll off your back and keep moving forward. If this is your passion, if this is what you love, and much like Margaret said earlier that, you know, we gave our, all of our children the opportunity and it wasn't like, oh, my kid's going to be a, base, a famous baseball player or he's going to be a lawyer or a doctor. It's we let them try things and it's like, find your passion, find what is going to make you get up every day, be excited to start your day and do what you love, no matter what anybody else thinks, as long as it's not illegal and you will be able to sustain yourself at some point after you're 18 years old we're behind you. Um, but also I would like to credit um, the the two uh, directors of the dance company that Taylor was with, Shannon Childers and Sharice Wakeham. Um, they were, I think, very instrumental in always being there to lend an ear to Taylor, uh, to give him advice. Um, you know, again, like I said, his 74 sisters um, that were always there that would love to sit down and talk with him. Of course, you know, if there were issues, we would talk about them and, and just try to get through them. But, um, you know, really, um, it took a village, but look what we created. I love that so much. And you touch on something that I think is so important. I'm obviously not a mom. But I think it's really important to like love your kids, be there for them. But like teaching them to have thick skin is like a life skill that it just makes life a little bit easier. You can kind of we talk about not sweating the small stuff and things like that and building that thick skin. It's, of course, okay to break down. It's it's okay to be upset. Absolutely. But I love what you said about that. It's so important to teach your kids that because life is just going to throw so many things your way and you can only control how you react to it. And so that's the best, like it's, I hate living on the defense, but that's almost like what it is. No, it's so true. And something that I will um, give my mom and everyone in my family, my brothers, my dad credit for was, yeah, instilling that idea of thick skin, but they also let me fight my own battles in the way of um, finding my identity as a dancer, right? And growing up as a male dancer in the South, um, there was a lot of like uphill footwork that had to be done. But at the end of the day, that reinforces not only my love and passion for what I do, but also like who I am, you know, um, it, it's, it's solidified. <laughs> if anything, that was a good base because as you know, Alex, it's once you get into the, the professional dance world, it's just as I hate to say daunting, but it kind of is. And you have to have that true sense of self and that sense of identity. And like, yes, this is what I'm doing and I love it. And I'm going to put my whole, my whole heart, my whole self into this career. And so I feel like every dancer, um, you know, male, female, no matter where you're from, kind of has to have that realization of, um, you know, I, I think back to sitting in my high school counselor's office and they're like, you want to be a dancer? Kind of like asking that like tongue in cheek and, or no, I shouldn't say tongue in cheek. It's not the right word. Um, asking it like, are you, are sure? you sure? Yeah, 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 exactly. And you kind of have to be like, yeah, here we go. I'm doing it, you know, um, which is both beautiful and, and, um, daunting is the only word that comes to mind, but, but, but yeah, it's, it's, you have to be so sure and confident of yourself in this career. And I'm so grateful that you and I both had amazing parents, amazing support systems, um, that yeah, supported us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I could lean on and like, I knew I could be upset, upset around my mom, but then I would like go out around other people and be like, okay, well I'm fine. But I knew I could lean on her and she would always be someone be like, okay, well, this is just the way it is. Like no excuses. Like just, yeah. I want to share one other thing. Um, this was, this was kind of, um, I think validation. So I don't know Hey, was it freshman, sophomore year in high school, uh, as one of your PE requirements, you took weightlifting. And um, so, of course, you're, you know, typical jocks um, in that any way, shape or form negatively. But, um, you know, your football players and your and your weightlifters on the um, the wrestling team. And so Taylor, Taylor was kind of nervous about going into that that class. And so, of course, being a mom, I was nervous for him, too. Like, oh, my goodness, here we go. But he came home and he's like, you know what, mom? He's like, that was just an awesome day. He goes, 
I was bench pressing and lifting more than the football players and the weightlifters on the, on the wrestling team. And he was like, they're like, dude, you need to, you know, come out and play football or you need to be on the, the weightlifting team. And Taylor's like, no, I've, I've really got to be careful because I'm a big guy and I can't bulk up too much. You know, I'm a dancer. I so he stood that. up for himself. And I think that, you know, that started to give him validation. And one other thing, they, they respected him. They realized the strength that it needed to be, not that you're going out there and twirling around on your toes, but the actual strength that you need um, to be a dancer. So at his final um, recital, he, they seniors did a solo. And in walks part of his football team, part of, you know, these male friends, and they have, like they would in a football stadium, Taylor written across their chest. And when Taylor finished, they stood up and were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you don't think that that just made me break down in tears to, yeah. to realize he proved himself and he is respected by his peers for what it is he's doing. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. Shout out Eli Long, Matt Green, Marcus Biggins, all my high school friends. Oh my God. Yeah. I remember you talking about Eli. Eli. Yeah. yeah amazing. Um, okay. Uh, well, my, wait, no, you go. <laughs> no, you go. No. Um, Wow. Thanks mom. No, that's, that's, that's true. It's, uh, I, I remember that vividly. I remember I was, I was always six two. like a freshman in high school. I was always really tall. And I remember getting recruited by like this, the dive team and the basketball team and volleyball. And I had to be like, I have dance practice. Sorry, I can't. And they'd be like, okay, <laughs> but, but yeah, that's, that's, that's too funny. Um, Margaret, same kind of question. I mean, mom, you, you, you just answered what I was going to ask Margaret, which is what is one of your proudest moments of Alex throughout her dance career? Proudest moments. I have like 10, but I'll, I'll try <laughs> A to collage. I, I think, um, my proudest moment was at U of A jazz showcase. She was a senior in high school and we went we went there to, to really just enjoy jazz showcase, but they also had an audition for the school. So she wanted to do the audition. So we were there for, I think two or three days. And then Sunday night, uh, Taylor, did you go to jazz showcase? No, I couldn't. I forget. I think we had, it wasn't competition. We probably had like homecoming or something silly that I was like, well, I'm going to go to this instead. It was but, October, October. Yeah. yeah but, that makes sense. So Jazz Showcase for our listeners, um, I, as you all know, Alex and I are alumni of the University of Arizona, bear down, go cats. But um, the dance program every fall does a big dance convention um, hosted at the university that um, they also have an adjudication for dance studios to perform. But it's it's a chance for young dancers to take from the faculty at the university. And there's also an opportunity for seniors that are graduating to audition to actually get into the program. And so that's what Margaret's talking about. So I'll let you continue, but unfortunately, no, I couldn't be there at Jazz Showcase. So Sunday night, everybody gets together and they give out some awards and some of them go to the students of U of A who are there. And then some are to the participants in Jazz Showcase. And um, near the end, Alex was offered a scholarship on, on site for U of A dance. And so the, she, they were accepting her into the program and offered her a scholarship. And it was, it was so exciting. And I remember standing there and I was just, I didn't know they did that. And I was floored. And I remember all the professors and all the professional uh, people that they had brought in to do dances for Jazz Showcase. They all turned and looked at me. And I felt like they were sort of looking at me to see, you know, was I was I happy about this or, or wasn't I? And I was just so thrilled that um, she had gotten into this very this program that's so well known and very difficult to get into. And we're offering her a scholarship. And some of our friends were also there who weren't seniors. And so it was it was just a really exciting, proud moment. And I remember thinking this is you know, for something she's worked so hard for, for so many years. And she was getting into the program that she wanted to get into. And this was going to be her life. There was no, there was no turning back. She was totally dedicated. And this was just sort of the, the final thing that had to happen. 
Yes, I, I love that very, story. Very proud of all that hard work and that actual moment in time. Yeah, I remember it so vividly. It's that was like such a good weekend. I love it. Yeah. Well, and it must be, you know, Alex and I talk about how there's there's it's such a um disorganized path, not disorganized. Uh, what's what I'm looking for? It, the it's it's not very streamlined, the dance career, the dance industry. And so I can only imagine as a mother, as someone that wants your child to succeed, to see them get accepted into, like you said, a, a college program that does have some sort of structure uh, must be kind of a sense of relief for you as well to be like, okay, at least we have kind of the next steps, the next chapter mm -hmm. that will then segue into hopefully, which it did, this professional career. So so, wow, that's I, I can only imagine the pride and the comfort that you feel as a mother to see your child get into, you know, a program like that. Yeah, it was exciting. Yes. All right. Same question for you, Donna. And that's what my proudest moment. Yeah. Um, well, I have to say um, I was pretty proud when Taylor landed a dance scholarship out of U of A, um, obviously being from Arizona. Copycat. Um, <laughs> um, but living in Atlanta that he was he was basically giving up you know everybody he knew here and going out to where nobody he knew was going to school and um, you know take take this on um, and have it be his passion um, so that that was pretty incredible um, and uh, you know there's so many, it's just hard to pinpoint, but, um, you know, the, the shows that were done at the University of Arizona, I always flew out for them. Um, if they were amazing, I mean, you know, you and Taylor had a duet your freshman year, you had a duet your senior year. It was always, always, always a pleasure to see you dance. And, you know, even the work that you do now, even though I wasn't able to see it live, but uh, was it um, the thing you did for uh, YouTube? Oh, um, for uh, Paris Jackson? Yes. yes. And that and for um, I Can't Make You Love Me. Oh, I, yes. Oh, I do it. Yeah. yeah. I have probably watched those at least a hundred times and every single, both of them a hundred times, not just a hundred times combined. But every time I see that, I, I get teary-eyed and my heart is, is really filled because it, I think those two pieces just portray yours and Taylor's relationship mm -hmm. of just the raw trust, passion, everything that you do and seeing the two of you anytime on stage or in any kind of uh, social media that I can't be there and I have to watch a video of it. it. It just, and Margaret, I'm sure it's the same for you. It's just these two have a special bond, a special connection, not only on the stage, but off the stage as well. And congratulations to you both. Oh, thank you. We cannot thank you guys both enough for those, like your kind words and your stories. We appreciate you so much. Thanks for coming oh, no, on I, and, and I telling totally us how amazing agree. we are. <laughs> <laughs> That's what moms are for, right? <laughs> well, moms, thank you so, so, so much for joining us today. I know Alex and I both had such a good time talking with you, seeing you both. So thank you um, for the years of support. Thank you for being our rock, our foundation. We're both so grateful to have such supportive families and such strong mothers. So we appreciate you both. Very happy Mother's Day to you and to all the mothers out there that are listening. From Taylor and Alex, Inside Dance, we wish you a very happy Mother's Day. Stay well, guys. Keep dancing, and we will see you next week. Thank you.